That sounds great. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Sounds Great. We have a very fantastic episode lined up for you today. We are here at The Cube, the home of producers in London. And yeah, we've got a very special uh, guest lined up, as usual. I know you love to hear me say those words. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about the, the guest today, G. So today, guys, we have a special guest. I cannot wait to get into the conversation because we're looking forward to this one for a while as well. So Asadi is our guest. And Asadi is a, a performer, a writer, a composer, beat maker, engineer even, just a cool dude. And he has the best hair in the industry, sorry. <laughs> um, so Asadi has um, an influence from Persian music and he's fused it together with trap music, electronic music. And overall, he's just so good at making music and just finger drumming, sitar, guitar as well. So much stuff. So guys, let's just get Asadi on the, on the show. Thank you for having me. How you me. doing, man? Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, This man. is amazing. Thank you so much, dude. I'm being interviewed by Kosh and G. How you guys doing? <laughs> we're good, bro. All good, It's good man. to have you here, man. 100%, dude. We're super excited to have you today, man. And we've got some amazing questions lined up as well. Um, but first, Danny, Asadi, what, I like to, what we like to do with our guests is we like to ask them to give an introduction to themselves. So tell us more about yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean... You, you pretty much introduced it. You, I mean, you did a great job introducing me. Thank you very much for that. Um, I just, uh, basically, I'm a, I'm, I'm a producer and a live artist that grew up in Columbus, Ohio, in the United States. Uh, but my background is Persian. My parents are both um, from Iran. Uh, and I always had a strong fascination for uh, incorporating my heritage into like the modern music industry in the west side of the world so uh that is basically the uh billboard for what my music uh stands for is to uh create middle eastern influence electronic and hip-hop music wow wow that's, that's smart that's man. A brilliant intro love that um, and your music is unbelievable yeah man. it's so <laughs> unique that's what that's what i love about it so t tell us a bit more about that heritage and, and how that formed who you are and, and you know how you got started with with music well how it got started was in early high school my dad brought me a persian sitar from nice. iran and at the time i was in a band i was playing guitar i was like singing like pre-puberty i sounded like well i was in like this like emo band and we thought we were like the hottest thing in our town <laughs> And we were like opening up for all these like um, college bands, and we were like 12, 10 years old. We th we felt like like complete rock stars. And I was uh <laughs> yeah, I was singing, and I sounded like I it was because it was pre puberty. I sounded like Paramore, and we were just making all this like hardcore like you know pop emo music. Love that. Um, and Love my that. dad, when my dad brought a sitar, at the same time I was learning about like music technology and how you can just like simply play like an orchestra on a keyboard or like any sound like off of a keyboard. And I noticed that there was a strong affiliation with like connecting the keyboard to the computer and like picking all your sounds and everything. And I didn't know that was what I was really interested in on the technology side mm -hmm. was yeah. considered producing. And when my dad brought the Persian sitar, those two kind of eureka moments for me came together at the same time where I realized there was also these instruments that like strongly represented my heritage and who I am. And it was just an incredible sounding instrument and I really wanted to learn it. Um, so it was the Persian sitar and luckily for 
just like, I guess out of destiny, there was happened to be a Persian sitar teacher in my hometown, Columbus, Ohio, which is like, it was like, like I won the lottery. So um, (laughs) every Sunday I would go to the basement of this public library that allowed him to like teach his students there. So we're at this like the wow. basement of this library where there's like it's like the children's like babysitting section of the library. And there's like all these children's <laughs> books everywhere. And we would sit on nice. all these plastic chairs and like learn the sitar. So I learned like all these like traditional basic Persian songs. And then one day he started playing some like more uh moody, like in the mm-hmm. minor key, harmonic minor stuff. And I was like, you need to teach me that. So then like after wow those classes like on like maybe Wednesdays or Mondays, I would also go to his house and learn privately. And he was just really passionate in helping me. And the man did it for free. Wow. He just did it because he liked to help. No way. Yeah, like he like his class every Sunday was in a town called Upper Arlington at a public library and it was completely free. He just did it because he wanted people to learn the Persian sitar. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there was one That's time incredible. he said... I'm going to start charging for classes because I want that money to go towards um, helping uh, 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 civilians in Afghanistan. Like back when Obama and Bush wow. were in office, like during that time, there was just a lot of like war and toward villages and stuff in Afghanistan. And he really wanted to go help the kids, like build schools and stuff. So that's the only time he ever charged people just for that reason. Like it just wow. really set the bar for like, I don't know, authenticity attached to that mm-hmm. instrument just from the teacher. It goes a lot to show like how important the teacher is in the process. Mm. Like they can really, like I met a lot of kids that didn't learn an instrument because they hated the teacher. Like the teacher made the instrument annoying. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Just the importance Mm. of having a teacher that actually is passionate about what they do and just isn't there for the money. And especially when it comes to like people like that, that literally don't care about that side of things. They're so selfless and just like passionate about teaching that instrument. must be, must have been really, um, yeah, truly something that you, you hold close to your heart, those sessions. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that happened, and I just got really into it. And when I was um, around 15 years old, I started getting a little bit better at learning about the music technology, learning about producing. I was on FL. Um, I had, like, a MIDI keyboard, like, two little speakers, like, learning electronic music. Mm-hmm. My biggest... Mm-hmm. Um, inspirations at that time were like house DJs and oh, nice. like Swedish House Mafia, Dead Mouse, um, nice. Cascade, like especially Steve Angelo. I was like obsessed with Steve Angelo, like dissecting his songs and like wow. learning how to make that like mm. massive Swedish House sound. So like that massiveness like started with that style. Uh, and then like around age 16, 15, I got a, I went to Iran Mm-hmm. And I went to, or no, sorry, let me restate this. When I was 14, I went to Iran over three weeks in December and learned uh, tar and, well, I'm sorry, learned sitar, got a new sitar and, and, and got a bunch of new like softwares and stuff from Iran mm-hmm. and brought them to the mm-hmm. States. Wow. Started learning more with a, a little bit better sitar, started getting better at it. But then that following summer, I went back to Iran and found 
a tar and found a tar teacher that taught me wow. for three weeks straight um, wow. how to play the tar, which is a new instrument. It's a Persian instrument that's about 200 years old um, or a few hundred years old. It's, it's pretty new, but it looks ancient. It has mm. a very ethnic banjo sound. I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it, but uh, it's. I learned it for three weeks straight, like a boot camp. I brought it back home and just kept watching YouTube videos of people playing it. And I try to like mimic what they did. And like mm-hmm. majority of my upbringing on tar was pretty much homeschooled, trying to be like the greats on it. So that mm-hmm. happened at age 16. Uh, I was getting better at tar. And at the same time, I was uh, I got my hands on a machine, which is like a drum pad. 16 buttons where you can control any sound on it and i mean if you know the machine or you know mpc or drum pad like you know what i'm talking about and i was fascinated by that too uh i thought i liked the sound of electronic music but i always was passionate about the live element of being in a band right i also loved and respected just people who are masters at just like one instrument like you could go see like a guitarist on stage and all he needs is the guitar and like he can throw down the whole show like i love that i love that minimalism Mm -hmm. um so i wanted to incorporate that somehow through electronic music and when i saw the machine i fell in love i thought that that was the the way to convey that message i i saw the machine more of less of a production tool less of a controller for the stage and more of an instrument uh so i created i started creating like some sort of system where i had each sound that were primarily drums at a certain part of the pads and it's like it's like playing a drum set like the snare is always here the hi-hats here cymbals are here and so long story short by age 16 i was full force focused on being great at playing the Persian tar, being great at playing the Persian sitar, uh, being great at playing the drum pad, and somehow putting my passion in electronic music and my Persian heritage together to create something that I think um, the entire Middle Eastern community rightfully deserves. And and rightfully resonated with, I think, as well. That was insane. I mean, you took us through a journey there. (laughs) Felt like I was there. Yeah, literally. (laughs) I mean, you kind of, you kind of, kind of answered the the next question that I had about heritage um, and how important it is to to your music. But let's talk about today when you're, you know, you've got tons of videos out there. There's a lot of content that you're creating regularly. How much um, input is the heritage kind of going in? And when you're kind of start when you're when you're starting your process into creation or music creation. Do you start with maybe the sitar first and start with the heritage rather than kind of more the Western side of things? Or do you go, uh, maybe start with the drums or kind of where, where's your starting process? I would always start with like a melody. Like I, I would always start with a basic, a really catchy melody. That was like my mm-hmm. thing is like everything has to hook like from the start yeah. with the melody. Then I would make drums that suit that melody i would always do it that way so every time i made a song it was like i would find a like i would create a sample 
like I'd find a sample or I would play an instrument to that's just this catchy, mesmerizing, like looping melody that can go on mm. for like hours and hours. And I would make a song out of that, essentially. That's why you hear that in like Caspian. Um, yeah. Overall, like my musical style, if you can, if you listen back, you'll notice a lot of elements that you can tell derive from that era of house music, progressive house music, where it's about uh, the looping of the melody, you know, like the infinite, yeah. the infinite loop, but yeah. it's 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 about like less is more. It's not about doing some crazy stuff. Like if you listen to my drums, if you even listen to the way I play my instruments, like I'm very modest. Like I'm not crazy at it, but the production element together puts you in the world, right? Yeah. It's where the yeah. instruments sit in the mix, uh, how I'm choosing my sound design, how the songs even structured to begin with. That um, is like what I'm like what what is most important to me aside mm-hmm. from the melody. Um, it's not it's not like doing some crazy drums or overproducing. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to have all those different little layers that then you know once you put them all together, they like you said they take someone into a whole different world. But um, so just just speaking to to some of that heritage stuff and and you know your live performances. Um, who were your like musical influences growing up? I know you spoke a bit about uh, Paramount earlier, but um, yeah, tell us a bit more about the Western side of influences and then the Persian side. It's kind of funny what my influences are because it would be like, like when I was younger, it was like, like Kendrick and Travis Scott, and then like Swedish House Mafia, and then like Pretty Lights, and. Uh, some like hard bass guys and then like Masoud Bakhtiari or like Muhammad, (laughs) you know, like some, some crazy like folklore uh, Persian (laughs) uh, singers like from back in the day. And they just like hit me, you know? Yeah, that's iconic. It's it's so bizarre to, to even come across the thought of putting those worlds together, but my guy Danny does it. It works. Does it to a T. It works. Um, <laughs> so I just want to touch a little bit, Danny, on on the Persian community, right? Um, and how important their support is. And obviously, like talking to uh, a new generation out there, right? And how yeah. important support is when you're kind of coming up, and you know your community support. So how 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 has it been for you, man? I mean, I was the weirdo in, in the beginning of this. Like, <laughs> my parents are like, "What are you doing?" Like mixing these two <laughs> together like you, the americans are not going to get this like and my my friends at first were like this is a little a little off um mm. but then i met a few people who like were more open-minded and they were just in love with the sound and when i when i met those kids in high school that's what like motivated me to be like okay what i'm doing is right and then I went to like my first music festival, Electric Forest, which was in uh, Rothbury, Michigan. And I saw the weirdest bands, like the weirdest artists. And I'm like, if they're playing the main stage and like it's a packed crowd, like I, I definitely can do this. And I looked at one of those stages and I looked at my friend. And I was like, I'm going to play on that stage one day, you know. And then uh, like four years later, four years later, I played on the stage next to it. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Still at the festival, though. That's that's, awesome. that's that's amazing, man. Yeah. 
So um, it was a, it was a, um, it was a beautiful process for me. I learned, I learned a lot about just, just being myself. And I guess one thing that us kids that are born to immigrant parents, we all can relate to. Um, my friends and I, we call it like the, the diaspora or diaspora community. We all don't fully feel like we belong to the country we're born in or based in. And we don't fully feel like we belong to our heritage. And as an artist, I'm like the billboard for that. Like the Americans mm -hmm. fans, they think I'm foreign. They think I'm a foreign artist. And all the Middle Eastern fans that actually live in the Middle East, mm -hmm. they think I'm an American artist. I'm like this wow. weird in between. Yeah. And over time, I noticed I started becoming musically kind of the representation of these in-betweeners. And I started mm -hmm. meeting more in-betweener artists. And we, we, we like, we get each other. Like I get them, I get where they're coming from and we get along so well, like more than anyone else. Um, because, and, and we call them from all different corners of the US or, or North America or UK or Europe, but we talk to each other like we met each other yesterday. It's mm. insane. And I think it's because we may not, uh, we may have holes in our culture, whether it's the American side for, for the American ones, or like the Western side, or, or it's, or it's um, our heritage. We may have holes, yeah. you know, some, some, some of them, like some embarrassing holes. Like, uh, like, to be honest, my Farsi isn't amazing. It's conversational, but it's not like fluent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I find myself knowing more about the origins, the mythology, the history, and uh, and the and the the different um, subsects of mm -hmm. what it means to be a Persian musician than most people who actually live in the country and speak fluent Farsi. Yeah, but it's it's so interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of people in. Uh, countries like Iran that are fascinated by the this country like the US right yeah but yeah. they but then I'm I'm a, I'm someone born and raised in the US I was born in Dallas raised in Columbus Ohio who who makes Persian who Chinese. strongly <laughs> appreciates yeah what what they well, walk past yeah, every day yeah, yeah, yeah. right and yeah, um, it's something about that that it's that common human um, constant want for something that they don't have or something that they don't experience. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird lesson of like, I guess, really appreciate like who you are and what's around you just because you see it every mm -hmm. day that doesn't lose its value. Yeah. You know, um, strong stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, it's that time. Oh, man. it's that time of the show. Dude, that was amazing. Just, what you were saying there, Sadi, was I know, man. remarkable. 
I kind of wish we didn't go to that part right there. It's that time. But we can we can jump back into it. We can jump Jeez, back into it. That was important. Yeah, that was hey, that was beautiful, man. Um, I felt like you were really, really, you know, speaking from the heart there, yeah, and I man. could feel it's, it. It's it was... important for the listeners out there as well, man. Mm. We want to hear more of that stuff. Yeah. And of course, just I know we need to go into this, but just how important it is to kind of just uh, break some barriers and 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 do something different. Yeah. Instead of just following other people, you're yeah. making your own thing. And dude, to be honest, I mean, I've I've seen you through cash and stuff, but mm. I don't know anyone that's doing the same thing as you, bro. So nah, no keep at it. Yeah. But yeah, let's um, really really powerful yeah. stuff about being in the in between as well of, of yeah. two, the two different. And that was yeah exactly. Yeah, that, that. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can vibe with that quite 100%. a lot actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, sorry, but sorry to interrupt you there, uh, Asadi. But we'll we'll jump straight back into it. But for the meantime. We're going to play the album interlude section. Essentially, what that means is you've got 60 seconds to answer as many quickfire questions as possible. And at the end of the round, uh, we'll tally up and see how you compare to the rest of the guests we've had on the show. How does that sound, my friend? Okay. I hope I don't embarrass myself. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll see. Okay, ready? Timer. Your timer starts now. Favorite instrument? Persian tar. What comes first, drums or Melody. Melody. Persian or Iranian? Persian. <laughs> Analog or digital? Digital. What's your studio drink? Iced coffee. Headphones or speakers? Headphones. What's your favorite shampoo? <laughs> I hate you guys. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hate you. Go! <laughs> you went it out of time. Um, um, uh, it's called it's called pattern. I love pattern. Pattern. All right, cool. Sitar or drum machine? Dr uh, sitar. Oof. Favorite all-time music genre? Uh, um, just can I just say electronic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite plugin? Uh, my favorite plugin is. Gem dopamine. Oh, it's oh. time, it's What was that? Sorry, Asadi. What was that? Sorry, the last plugin. It's called gem dopamine. Gem Ooh, dopamine. Gem dopamine. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> okay, so I got it from Disclosure. They okay. love using this. Throw this on your vocals or any mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. that you want brightened. So what yeah. you do is, it's it's three knobs: dry, wet, and level. Wow. The wet is a combination. The dry is dry. The wet is the combination of tape saturation, um, tape emulation, parallel high compression, like high frequency oh. compression, de-essing, wow. and some smoothing EQing situation. Wow. It, it um, I think sick. it's like it's like emulating a a real analog piece of equipment. I, I think mm. so. I'm not quite sure, but I think someone explained it how like when you're when you're running music through tape, um some tapes like if you like kind of crank it a bit, it like brings up the high end a little bit or it has some sort of right. it brings some sort of silver to the sound and that's what the gem dopamine mm. does, but kind of like cranked up. So you have the nice. dry, the wet and then the output level and it's incredible because I used to have these like all these crazy like chains and all these like five different plugins just to make like the vocals brighter without yeah. um, making them harsh because you can't just boost 10K and then it, it makes it brighter. Like you have to have yeah, some sort right. of controlled brightness boost and that's yeah, what that plugin yeah, yeah. does in one knob. Wow. 
Yeah. I'm going to wow. have to check that out. That sounds really good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, incredible. Awesome. I actually, I, he, did, he did quite all right there until we got to the shampoo question. <laughs> I know, I know. That was, <laughs> damn, you gave it away, man. We got gave him. It away. I'm, I'm actually going to try and get that as we well. We got him. <laughs> uh, my, well, I actually had an interesting question because I, I know you're a guy that likes to work out. Uh, if you were an athlete, what sport would it be in? I always wanted to play hockey, actually. Oh. I played hockey what, in like middle school. Like ice hockey? Ice hockey. Um, nice. I played ice hockey in middle school for like like one season, and I was just I was just ass. I was so bad, um, <laughs> but I I loved it. It was so much fun. It's just so fast paced and yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to jump into the questions now. I'm sorry, sorry for that little interval there, but oh, uh, <laughs> it was awesome. Oh man, we didn't even get to my favorite, uh, your favorite conditioner question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. Um, so, uh, what? Um, how how do you come up with? Oh man, I, honestly, I've, I've lost my mind here. Um, how, Let's how go. <laughs> It took us what seven episodes oh, in to, for me to lose my mind. Um, how how do you come up with um, new beat ideas and and creations? Like, how, how, you, what what inspires you? Just to, to like, is it something a melody that comes in your head, um, or like you know you just sat around one day and think, oh, I want to be pr- creative and productive today? Like, what what's the pro- what's the process look like? The overall process of making music is, I like to try. Mainly, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sound like I don't want to sound like I'm like this like master guru guy. Like I definitely rely on the computer heavily. Like I'm not some like hug the trees person, but I try to stay acoustic first, play the right. instrument, and if I if it just on the instrument itself, if it gives me goosebumps, if it gives me goosebumps or makes me like, let's do this. I want to make this song. Then I'll mm-hmm. get on the computer, record it, and then start designing the sounds. And you know, I start. I then my brain just goes like, "We need." Yeah. I, I'm like telling myself, "I need this. I 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 need this." And next yeah. thing I know, it's like something's built. I take a break. I come back, and now I have drums, some sort of textures, the instruments with their mixing and everything. And then I know, now I have this thing. And then I start think, thinking about structure. Is this a drop? Is this like the bridge? What is this? What could happen before this? What could happen after this? When should I bring this back? Is there another idea I want to create where I should like foreshadow it here and then bring that idea? You know, it's like writing a book. And, you know, but and do you always have that need... live element in mind? Say that again. Do you, sorry, do you, do you always have that live element in mind as well as you do in these productions? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think so, like... It's just fun for me to like play. Like I can't like programming is I start to get like what what was I doing again? Like in the middle of like clicking <laughs> and programming. But if I'm yeah. playing live first with the melody, then I can do my programming next. Then I can do my sound designing next. But it first needs to feel like a musician. I need to feel the the energy that's coming out of the way I'm playing an instrument, you know? Right. Like there's I'm not yes. I'm not the best tar player. I'll, I'll, it's pretty obvious if you play tar. I'm not the best tar player. I make catchy tar melodies. I make catchy solos and stuff. But I'm not a professional on tar by no means. Mm-hmm. Same with all my my other instruments. I'm not the best drum pad player too, to be honest. Like there's a few that I know. 
that are That's way debatable. faster than me at the finger drumming and, and whatnot. Um, but I'm the best at being a Saudi, right? Mm, like I'm, uh, I'm like the best at playing it my way. Love that. Playing the drums yeah, 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 yeah. my way. When you hear, when you hear the way I play the drum pad versus the way other people play, you know it's me. Like when you hear guitar, like you know it's me. You know. Yeah, yeah, you got your own swag in it, which is amazing. I mean, that's what that's what makes you you, as you were saying, right? Um, yeah. So I, I want to just take it back uh, slightly a little bit to your. Is it college or university? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, full Sail University, actually. Yeah, so university. Yeah. Um, so you went, you studied at Full Sail. You did your whole kind of three, four years or? Yeah, so the story behind that was. I'll, should I tell you the long story or the short story? <laughs> so, so, so the question kind of goes back to performing. Did you perform out when you was in full sale? Because a lot, the, the question I've got is a lot of people that I talk to, or we talk to kind of regularly, gone full sale. They've become an engineer, one of the biggest studios, and obviously you've gone a different route, which yeah. is kind of like wow. So, what did you study? Did you perform? Did you fall in love with performing there as well? And, yeah. Um, kind of yeah, a little bit of the of the journey during full sale. I went to full sale because I wanted to get good at making my music sound good. So I went to their recording arts program to learn mixing and mastering and also recording, but like mainly focus on mixing and mastering. Sorry, just to quickly interrupt there. How, how far were you into your um, sort of career, I guess, um, before deciding you wanted to go to Full Sail? Was this like when you already knew exactly what kind of thing you were after? It was, and you started to go it was 2,000 followers pretty much on every social wow. media. And like a thousand plays on a SoundCloud link kind wow. of thing. Wow, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and no videos online, nothing. Uh, actually, no, one video. That's not true. One video. It was like an above shot video of me playing the drums. Wow. And, nice. Um, Asadi, at the end of this question, sorry, just to interrupt. At the end of this, could you maybe just, um, when you talk about Full Sail as well, just maybe touch on your big break as well. Because I feel like you can go into that a little bit from university having 2,000 followers. Maybe just edge it off into how you got your first big break and, mm -hmm. and when that was as well. Yeah. Actually, I'd love to mention what happened before Full Sail too because that's, mm -hmm. that's a story of its Do own it. as well. Do um, it. Yeah. I'd love to mention that because... Yeah. So what happened was in high school as I was starting to... In high school when I was 16... A lot of my friends that were open-minded and they were really loving what I was doing loved Pretty Lights. There was this, this like trippy glitch hop artist from um, I think Denver, and he did a lot of heavy sampling. His music was dark. They loved that and trap EDM trap electronic trap was blowing up. Flostradamus, Diplo, um, this artist named Pucci. Uh, Bauer, R.L. Grime, Harlem Shake, all that stuff. That was like blowing up at the time. I loved those 808s. I loved those yeah. drums. <laughs> and I was in the middle of like my journey of trying to figure out how to fuse like my sitar with like four and a floor rhythms and stuff. And I was like, no, I want to do this. And then I put that together and I made, what I did was I took my, I took a cassette from my parents' basement. It had, um, uh, an artist face on it by the name Satar. There was a song called Panda Hafez on that cassette and I recorded it onto FL, put some 808s behind it and I released it on SoundCloud. Wow. That was my first like Persian trap song. That was my first song where nice. I was like, this is a Saudi. And that's when I decided like, that's what I'm going to 
that sparked the voyage of like who I am today. So when I started doing that, I started also saying like to myself, like, all right, I got to start making more of this and actually start developing myself as an artist. I'm like 16. I'm like a minor, like thinking these things. That's crazy. And I didn't, there was like social media and like the whole thing of what the internet is today wasn't there for me. I thought what was um, more important was to like put together shows. So senior year, I tried to get like, I was, I was a big introvert. Like I was really to myself, didn't have a lot of friends because all I did was go to school, come home, go to my basement and make music. Senior year, I decided to like just be more outgoing, meet more people, like make more friends so that at the end of the year, they can all come to my show. With the help of my close friends, we got two high schools to come see me at this like venue where like a bunch of big bands played. It was like 300 people in this small room or like almost 400 people in the small room and then close to 700, 800 people in a bigger venue like two months later. When that happened, that was the summer of my senior year in high school. Right after that, uh, because I got accepted to an engineering program, not music engineering, like like soldering things and like computer programming oh, okay, engineering right. yeah. at yeah. Ohio State University, I had like a 4.2 average. It was like a weighted average like at, in high school. I had a 1.9 average the first semester in electrical computer engineering because I hated it. Because wow. <laughs> I went from playing, putting together my own shows and having 700 people come to... <laughs> like learning like trigonometry <laughs> so wow. i dropped out respectfully and went and my parents helped me uh move down to orlando for two years to go to full sail it was my actually my dream college i when i was in third grade when i was like seven eight years old i used to call admissions and say is there any way i can skip middle school and go to call and go to full sale wow. instead. And the lady was laughing. I was like, I was like mad that she was laughing. I was, I was, oh, I'm like, I'm serious. <laughs> wow. So yeah, yeah. So I went to I went to that school. Finally, it was my dream. Uh and and yeah, like I all of a sudden went from being in a town where there was not a single mixing engineer around me to teach me what it what it takes to create like professional level music sonically to every teacher like there ready for any questions for me to ask and there was this one teacher that was just brilliant i would ask him questions during his office hours every day after school so every day for like the first half of my um my uh two years in that school, my two-year bachelor's, uh, I was at his office every day asking him questions like, what is compression? What is parallel compression? What is mixing? What is mastering? Wow. All this stuff. He would tell me things like, don't worry, you're going to learn this like in your um, class in like two months. I was like, or you could just teach it to me now. Wow. <laughs> like, I would annoy the hell out of these teachers. <laughs> Who the hell is this kid? You know? man? <laughs> <laughs> um, and once I got good at that sound, I was also getting really good at the drum pad stuff. Mm. And one day I was uh, seeing, I was starting to see people make these videos on Facebook and they were getting like 
one million, two million views, and these guys were just like basic pushing these buttons. Wow. And my competitive self was like, I can do that, you know. And then I had my mm. friend help me like make some videos. And one day I was driving home from school uh, to my apartment, and uh, Kanye West like dropped his Life of Pablo album, and one of the songs he was like artistically like he like released an acapella called I Love Kanye, and oh, I thought it was hilarious that. It was pure acapella, um, and I thought it was it would be funny if I combined it with the ending credits to the Nickelodeon show SpongeBob SquarePants, and mm. so I mashed them up <laughs> together. How does that even cross your mind? So so small. So, so, small. so, in, the, so in the middle of me being trying to be this like <laughs> master like Middle Eastern electronic like guru guy i decided to fuse spongebob squarepants and kanye west together and i told my friend to film Mm. me and yeah that video blew up it got like 30 million views on facebook it was like number three on facebook top trending it was on like it was on billboard magazine it was on world star uh it was like number five on twitter like top twitter hashtags like tiktok kids still use like that thing today and wow yeah it it got me an agent actually like one of oh my god about a week into it an agent from uh one of these like like a lot of the artists that played at electric forest like his agency represented them so it was really cool that he reached out to me and he was like i want to i really like what you're doing with your live element um your your mashup thing was hilarious, but I know that you can do more. And I, I saw what you do, and I'm, I'm, I'm really into it. I would love to get you some shows. I said, let's do it. No contract, nothing. This guy, a week, a week later, gets me a festival sh- show offer every week. Every week, festival show offer. Damn. And next thing I know, just because of SpongeBob SquarePants and Kanye West, I was able to push my career, like jumpstart it and start doing, I was lucky to find an agent first of all, um, mm-hmm. or an agent find me and play all these festival shows where everyone's expecting to hear SpongeBob and Kanye West. And in the meantime, <laughs> I'm putting my Persian logo on the wall, my Zoroastrian Persian logo on the wall yeah, and yeah, playing yeah. Persian trap music. And they, they had no, like most of these kids like had no idea. That's how I started building yeah. my wow. fan base. You know, and that happened while I was in school. So while I was in school, I got this agent. While I was in school, I, uh, my video blew up. Um, and I had, I still had like about a year, six, six months to a year left. I would fly out to play a show in like Austin, Texas or, or Phoenix. And then at a festival where there was like Post Malone and like, I don't know, like 21 Savage was playing. And then I'd fly back in time so I don't miss my class. Because if you miss your class, then you oh fail that God, class. Oh, my God, dude. They, wow. like, took attendance very seriously. So wow. that was... It was, like... Yeah, so it was... I used Full Sail to simply get my sound design right to create what I always wanted to create. If it wasn't for that one teacher in Full Sail, I'm not even going to give credit to any other classes as Full Sail. I'm only going to give credit to the teacher. That teacher... Mm-hmm was what I feel like I paid my tuition for. He was the man. Like, he helped me since day one, helped me almost, like, as if it was, like, a second job for him. 
this guy was yeah. on like loyal like he was so helpful he gave me all the secrets sounds and, like you, you hit know? the jackpot with all your teachers in your life <laughs> i i try to overall like find the good in people mm. and it's less about finding someone who is high up there and doesn't really care about you and more about someone who's at at your level in like drive and passion and mm-hmm. i guess hunger and is like passionate in working with you as equally as you are passionate working with them. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm That's saying? Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that happened and I played those shows. And as soon as I graduated full sale after the two year bachelor's program, I moved out straight to LA and I started, yeah, you know, I, I continued playing shows and I just continued making videos. You know, wow. it's been an interesting journey. Cause a lot of the, yeah, a lot of those kids and a lot of those teachers were telling me like, what you're doing is great, but it's not really going to last long. Like you need to go get an internship somewhere. Like you need to go. Mm. Um, uh, but then a lot of them were like, dude, like, I don't know your world at all. Like, this is crazy. That's like, keep thing. it up. You that's know? the thing. You um, can't even call them haters because they're just unfamiliar with yeah, what you're doing. So that's, yeah, that's ultimately yeah. what it comes down to is that you're doing something so niche and so particular that it's, confusing to them it's unusual to them so therefore they think it's not going to get anywhere right mm, but that's exactly. not necessarily the case i mean you made a jo- you made a genre on your own yeah. man and of your own which is yeah. amazing it's like what not what a lot of people dream to do man yeah. um it's- so dude congratulations to that <laughs> and well done man <laughs> thank you guys yeah i think um you've certainly made your own genre and you've certainly made your stamp on the industry and listen it's been absolutely amazing you having you on there having you here on the show and and i hope you keep it up uh just for some of the viewers out there and listeners out there tell us uh tell us what you're working on and when the next uh, project is being released oh thanks guys yeah i would love to uh yeah so like i'm i'm releasing an album called asadi worldwide it's going to be out in october uh i've been releasing a single from that album uh since two months ago every month up until October. This album is a collection of songs that I have been holding on to for the past two years. Basically, anything wow. that screams timelessness and like a hit song that I feel is going to last forever, I kept because I wanted to save it for an album. So, this is my first solo album that I'll be releasing. And it's a big deal to me. It's a diverse selection of music that truly represents who I am today. And from my foundation in pursuing this Persian trap path to the overall Middle Eastern influence in electronic music. And yeah. I hope that, you know, you guys could uh, appreciate it. And I, I, I love to, if anyone who's watching doesn't know who I am and wants to... Uh, check out my music definitely you know go on my spotify and uh check out caspian and and some of my recent work and uh check out far far away uh the mountain's daughter pretty soon there's a single coming out called don't leave so soon and hopefully you'll be around when the album drops because i hope the i hope the world sees what i see and trying to help bring the what i see is a uh a Middle Eastern wave coming where people are going to finally start to appreciate that Middle Eastern sound in uh, yeah, modern no, music it's today. magical. 
It's magical. And all of those tracks that you just mentioned are phenomenal. So guys, make sure you go and check those out. We'll leave some links in the descriptions. Uh, so yeah, be sure to check all of that out. And also Asadi Worldwide out in October. Um, be sure to tune in for that. And hey, listen, Asadi, it's been incredible having you on here. Uh, you're a person that I actually admire quite a lot. So thank you for joining us and uh, giving us some of your time. Thank you so much, Asadi. Thank you, guys. Well. Thank you. You guys are amazing. Thank you for having me on. This is awesome. Appreciate it. Oh, no worries, man. No worries. Take care. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode today. And yeah, if you really did enjoy it, please drop a like on YouTube uh, and a comment. And if you are streaming on your preferred digital streaming platform for your podcasts, make sure you give us a good rating and tune in in a couple weeks for another episode. Thank you, guys. Uh, really appreciate your time. Asadi, once again, thank you so much, dude. I'm super excited about listening to your music uh, and the album as well. Guys, thank you so much, and we'll see you soon. Take care.